It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, everybody, welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. And I'm so glad that you're tuning in again today. We're continuing in our discussion on Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, as we really seek to understand where our treasure is. Where are our allegiances in this world? Are we in full devotion, taking up our cross to follow Jesus Christ our Lord? Or are we really seeking treasures here on earth? It's uh, easy to think that we have arrived because we show up to church on a Sunday and we pick up our Bible hopefully on a regular basis and maybe we're given to prayer on occasion. I certainly hope that there are better disciplines that you're cultivating in and through your walk with Jesus Christ. But what happens in these radical teachings of Jesus is that he pulls back the curtain. Uh, the, The veil to our heart is fully pulled apart, revealed for what it is where our heart is truly in allegiance to. Uh, maybe we are actually hiding something even from ourselves that when we re- when this is revealed before us we find that our allegiances are torn that we truly do want the things of this world we want the accolades of men we want the attention and yes the praises of men and we do that by feeding our pride what we drive what we wear what type of position we hold at a particular workplace in our occupations these things are in in contest in opposition with the things of God. It's not that the Lord doesn't want you to work hard and take care of our families, but there is a big difference between laying up treasures on this earth versus trying to faithfully serve, labor, and tend to the needs of our families. The Lord will provide. He, after all, is the owner of a cattle on a thousand hills. So this is a very revealing study. That's why it is part of the radical teachings of Jesus as we discuss where we are putting our faith, where our what our eyes are beholding, are truly our eyes fixated on eternity. That's the question we have to ask of ourselves here today. So to help me do this and to kick off our study here today in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, Dr. Steve Ford is here in the studio with me. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thank you, John. As you were speaking, I was thinking about all the the prior episodes where you were so able to describe for us the fact that we are in a battle Mm -hmm. and that we need to armor up. I think that's exactly what you're describing. That's right. You know, even from the and then from the standpoint of how well prepared are we for that battle makes me think of Psalm one thirty nine. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Mm. Because we may think, well, you know, I've checked most of the boxes. I'm doing a pretty decent job. I'm definitely better than that guy is. You know, <laughs> but <laughs> right. for the Lord to be able to search our hearts and reveal those things for us. Yeah, we've got to move away from the superficial into authenticity. That's right. Uh, there must be no hypocrisy found within us. And Dr. Ford, before the program, you were talking about how we need to put to practice the very words that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi of, of being mindful of what we partake in, what our eyes behold, what our ears hear, that, that we put those filters in place, that we truly be set apart from the world. And I don't know about you, Dr. Ford, but right before I go to bed, I, I have found that if my discipline is lacking, 
if I haven't started my day in prayer and devotion, nor have I ended mm-hmm. my day in, in prayer and devotion, whatever the last thing is that I put into my brain, especially while I'm tired, it's, am- it's amazing even at times how I'll dream about those things, as mm-hmm. foolish as they might be. And so we need to be mindful of the filter into the heart of the man. And and I think that's really what these radical teachings do is help us understand the danger of not filtering these things and living in total faithfulness before living God. Yeah, I think you make a great point. What if we took that list from Philippians and we turned it into the negative instead of looking at these things? What about if we try not to look at the things that are untrue, that are unlovely, that are impure, that are, you know, kind of switch it around and turn it to the negative? How about if we avoid some of those things, you know, that are on the opposite of those. Well, we're surrounded by them, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, we really everywhere. are. And, yeah. and so you, then you say, well, then there, you, you basically have switched off the fun. Right. <laughs> right. You know, I can't listen to music that I really like. It's got a catchy beat and all. And right. uh, well, how about that movie that everybody's talking about? I really want to go see it. The issue here is that we f- we find that our, our appetite is still for the things of the flesh. Right. If we feel like we're missing out then really we haven't been transformed by the washing and renewing of our minds as we we seem to think. Uh, You find that you'll crave those things a whole lot less when you change your appetite. And yes, there's going to be the, uh, you know, I remember when I uh, was trying to learn a new diet, uh, you know, my taste buds really wanted all those sugars that I was uh, used to consuming And the moment you start to move away from this unhealthy diet into a new diet, it seems that there's a, 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 the the body's reaction here is not a pleasant one, right? right? You're almost screaming to get that Twinkie or whatever it is. (laughs) And you've got to get through that. And whatever that duration of time looks like, sometimes it's longer for others, depending on how long we've been addicted to bad things. But there is a process of reacclimation into something new and healthy, And that's why this is a radical teaching, because the Lord is moving us away from thinking like the flesh into thinking like the spirit who dwells within us, to honor God, to be a holy temple unto the Lord, to think righteous thoughts and holy living. What a radical concept that is today. So, Dr. Ford, if you could kick us off, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Yes, and it reads... Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hmm. You know, we can read that over and over again and think we've got it mastered. And just if we think that those... Those areas of our life are mastered. We find just how far we fall short in this. Uh, You know, and I I ended the program last week asking these pivotal questions. Are we earthly-minded or heavenly-minded? Are we investing in a future eternity to come, or are we investing in the here and now? Are we saving up these crowns, these treasures in an eternal state, or are we living it up in this temporary state. Now, all these things are important for us to grasp because here the Lord uses three examples to show us how we seem to put uh, some value on temporary things. He uses moth, rust, and the thief to show just how quickly all these things that we value are are fleeting. Uh, Like we being a vapor, uh, these who treasure these things saying, your very treasure is fleeting. You're trying to hold on to it so tightly in in just a matter of what feels like a brevity of breath. 
it will be gone. And somebody else, according to Ecclesiastes, will end up spending what you have amassed to fill up your own pride. And then you, perhaps the Lord won't even allow you the, the privilege to enjoy it. It will be given it to another. They'll, they'll squander it. Off they go. And then life goes on. And everything that you have built unto yourself is now uh, destroyed. It is fleeting. Uh, we've often heard those stories. We think about many examples in our lives. Uh, there was one particular example that came to mind of, you know, you think about that person who has really just aspired to uh, accumulate some materialistic possession. Uh, maybe it was that automobile that they really, really wanted. We all seem to have that friend who has the, the pictures all cut out, <laughs> talking about how much horsepower it has, yeah. you know, the shiny paint job I think I've and all been these that things. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm, I'm pointing at myself here. Because I remember in high school, this is what I used to talk about That's quite right. frequently. I mean, I knew all the details about these cars. And, and so you surround yourself by those kind of people, and suddenly that becomes your goal as well. You know, people do these vision boards and all sorts of silly things today, and and that's what they aspire to. It's always materialistic, it seems, right. in nature. And I remember reading a few years ago, there was this actor, uh, Tracy Morgan, who purchased his $2.2 million Bugatti Veyron. Okay, so there's a number of problems with that already, right? I mean, any car that's $2.2 million, you need to be asking yourself, what could I be doing with $2.2 million that could tra transform thousands of lives, potentially? Amen. I mean, we can build a church in, in Bihar, India, for $5,000 US dollars, wow. right? I mean, you, you can put a well, build the building, and if somebody's listening right now and that's already touched your heart, believe me, yeah. I can connect you to the people to yeah. make that happen. Change people's lives for generations. That's an eternal yeah. treasure, right? So we already have a problem that he bought a $2.2 million car when there's so much need in the world today. And we can look at ourselves in the same way. Sure. But he drove the car only a half mile from the dealership, okay? So he hasn't even got a full mile here. You know it's coming, right? He was sideswiped by a woman who was driving a Honda CRV in downtown oh. Manhattan. He wasn't hurt, okay? So, but he'd already been through an accident <laughs> But it was before, still painful, even though he wasn't. But his supercar <laughs> totally destroyed, oh, right? Man. So he hadn't even driven it a half a mile and his $2.2 million car wiped out. So oh. the Lord gives us the first illustration here. He uses the moth, right? And we're all familiar with moths. There's moth season around here in Colorado, uh, we've had them in the church. We clean the building oh. meticulously, and all of a sudden, it feels like there's a plague, and, and the moths everywhere. I had a garage uh, from a previous home. You'd open up the garage door, moths all over the place. They're gross critters. And here, he's he's talking about the moth, that clothing was considered one form of wealth in, in the Middle East, even in the Near East. You'd say, you could take it to Joshua Chapter 7, verse 21, even 2 Kings 5, 22. And in some cultures today, clothing is still a form of wealth. I think we see that today. You, you can go to very uh, uh, high-end districts, and, and you'll find purses that are like $2,000, watches right. that are $10,000. We still do this today. There's really nothing new under the sun. So it was a symbol of wealth. But that wealth is short-lived. The moth, this tiny little butterfly-looking creature that doesn't appear harmful at all, can destroy the most expensive, elaborate fabric that you could ever own. I mean, it can eat through anything, it seems. And then he uses this example of rust. Now, if you've ever spent time 
in northern states like Michigan, I have family up in Michigan, and in Michigan the roads are salted heavily in the wintertime. And the effect of that salt on cars is brutal. I mean, we have this old brown Mazda 626, and it had holes in the metal because of that rust. In fact, if you tried to change anything out in the engine, you could open up the hood, the engine looked like it was pristine, but it was a lie. The moment you grabbed your wrench and you tried to take off one of those bolts, I guarantee it was going to fight you all the way because underneath the surface was this rust that had now corroded this beautiful machine that looked beautiful on the outside, but really was just laced with problems on the inside. So rust is literally this thing that eats or corrodes. And here he's saying you can now invest in something, that car that you really wanted And now this invisible enemy, they can eat it from the inside out. How much money did you spend on that vehicle? How much savings went into that? How much sacrifice for the five, six, seven years of payments did you make only for it to eventually end up in a junkyard anyway, right? So it's a powerful imagery. (laughs) Of course, they weren't driving the vehicles that we have today, but they they were very much impressionable to the power of a chariot. Right. The image of a chariot. I mean, there was times even as the, the Lord was taking them through the promised land to conquer these areas that even told them, don't even use the horses. You don't need chariots. You don't need horses. It's my hand that's going to deliver your enemy. So believe me, they were still very much attracted to the wealth of chariots as we're attracted to the wealth of automobiles. Now, he also mentions the thief. So with money and riches come great fear of someone taking these things away from you. So mankind goes through all these efforts to put up uh, walls around their wealth, right? So they, they can try to build up some kind of a system that protects their wealth, whether they diversify it in all types of banks and ways that they, you know, precious metals, whatever it might be. And, and today we still see that, that people who have wealth will even try to buy silver or gold. And even these things are not secure. Uh, Burglars and thieves, even in those days, could quite easily break in and steal them. So they can dig through and take it. I mean, that was easily accomplished in that particular era, especially. I mean, you'd have sun-dried bricks or mud. Nothing was burglar-proof. It didn't matter how deep your moat was or whatever the system was that you tried to put into place to protect your wealth. And, and I shared last week, Dr. Ford, how my money just mysteriously disappeared one right. day because of a cyber spike, a, a failure in the software of this rather large bank. I mean, we're talking a top 10 bank in the world that this happened to, and suddenly our money was just gone. And in this, I realized rather quickly the, that I was putting this stress. I was losing sleep. I, and the Lord was revealing to me in that, that, you know, you really need to put your faith into action here. You're telling all these people to trust me, to not worry about tomorrow. And I've put you in a situation where you know I'm going to take care of you, but you're stressed out because this somehow is a part of your identity. You're, you're bothered that somebody took something from you, not recognizing that I could give it all back to you tomorrow and more, right? There was a lot of stretching of my own faith. And I'm so grateful to God that he did that. And continues to do that because we dare not just talk about these things. We need to go through the fires of the testing of our faith in that it will be refined and purified. I was reading just the other day, Dr. Ford, about uh, money that was mysteriously disappearing from a cash register. Now, we don't do that too often these days. seems like everything's like a cashless society. But someone was assigned to guard the register all night. That's how stressed out the owners (laughs) were about this. 
So even then, the money, not the coins, just the currency, was disappearing. So at last, it was discovered that a small hole had been chewed in the back of the till. A small mouse had chewed up the money and was carrying it off for a place for her young. So she was making nests out of the currency by crawling through this tiny little hole in the back of the register. Even that is a powerful imagery to show that these things that we hold to some value are really, even to this mouse, oh, that'll be great for my bed tonight. Right. <laughs> it had no value even to the mouse. So we set our affections on the things of this earth when Colossians 3, 2 tells us to put our affections on things above. Mm. And the great difficulty of the rich is that they're deceived into fixing their hope on uncertain riches, the things of this world that, that somehow give them identity. And 1 Timothy 6, 17 tells us about that. So we're all faced with these choices in life. We must make the choice between the immediate, short-lived pleasures or the greater, more permanent pleasures that will be with us, as I mentioned, permanently, eternally, giving glory to God forever and ever. I mean, forever and ever. You don't you ever see this U-Haul coming behind a hearse. I love that imagery. You just don't see that. I mean, for years with the pharaohs and those before them, uh, even in China, it was discovered the, a, a huge facility of a burial place for one of the first emperors, I believe. Uh, thousands of acres dedicated to this. And, and all of those... Uh, uh, you know, soldiers and terracotta warriors and so forth they found, and and the, the immense display of beauty and splendor to the eyes of men to prepare their burial places so that they were preparing for the afterlife. Well, in reality, all that was just left behind for archaeologists and historians alike to 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 dig through and and to put into museums. It did nothing for them in their afterlife. And so even today, if someone were to drive a a family member down the road in their casket as they're being carried away by a hearse, and then they had a U-Haul behind it, we would all laugh and see the foolishness of that. But that's the way of the world. That's the way the world thinks through these things. We dare not be like the world. Right. Yeah. And so we are to be strangers and pilgrims in this world. Our, Our citizenship is not in this world. We represent a better kingdom. And so we're not to lay down deep roots. That's what Paul keeps trying to remind each of the churches and especially to young Timothy as he's going into this new assignment to lead a church, to to pastor a church. First Timothy 2.4, he's trying to implore him, don't put down roots here. You're a warrior of another kingdom. Don't get caught up in the affairs of this world. Keep your eyes on a much bigger prize. And so frequently I think about life is like going to the fair, you know, the the Pueblo, uh, Colorado State Fair is going to be coming up here pretty soon. And I think about how expensive it is to go to that place. Now, I'm not trying to dissuade somebody right now from going, but the reality is, is in one afternoon, you can spend a small fortune, you know, standing in these long lines to get on these these rides. And, and all of it is just simply this high price for a short ride. And that seems to be the case for the life that we live here today, right? That we, if, we, if we're trying to amass anything for what we think gives us value in the here and now, it is so fleeting. I, I don't think we can stress that enough. In Revelation 6, 5 to 6, this black horse rider goes out to strike the financial markets that creates hyperinflation and scarcity. So when you look at what's happening today, it, the system that we have before us, I remember reading Dr. Ford. I pulled the, the, the article. I pulled the numbers. August 3rd, 
2011, the public debt in the United States stood at $14.34 trillion. Okay, so the government had borrowed $14.34 trillion to keep running the United States government. And, and so we had this massive debt. People were up in arms about it. Now, 11 years later, that number's passed $30 trillion. Okay, so we've over doubled that debt in 11 years. The United States has been around for almost 250 years. In just 11 years, we've over doubled that debt. Now, what we're doing is we're kicking the problem down the road, and there is a problem. We keep pretending like there's not because they keep printing money like it's just growing off trees. And the reality is this is going to hit us very hard and very fast. So when the Bible is even talking about this, is this is going to be a disruptor of the economies of men, and it's going to hit them suddenly. It's going to hit them painfully, in which they're going to see eight times the inflation rate. And Dr. Ford, when we were going through the book of Revelation, we talked about that. We were frustrated about $5 uh, charges right now for a gallon of gas. Well, imagine being eight times that, $40 for a gallon of gas. That's the image that's conveyed to us there in verses five to six of this type of hyper inflation. So if we're putting our treasure, when we think money has any kind of value at all, we're going to be greatly mistaken. Uh, the Lord is going to take away the illusion of its substance, of its power, and he's going to reveal rather quickly that where you have laid your treasures has been foolishness. Yeah, just Matthew 6.33 with Jesus saying, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all mm-hmm. these things will be added. And it just keeps resonating in my ears as we're talking about <laughs> these things, that that's really where our focus is supposed to be. And like you said, realizing that the Lord knows that we have needs of things. That's right. And if we focus on him, he's going to take care of them. And there is no security on, of numbers on a screen. There's no security, especially in this day and age, between uh, cyber theft and inflation and the other things that you've mentioned. That's right. And that's why he, I think, stressed so early on in his ministry, do not worry about right. tomorrow. <laughs> Don't worry tomorrow about has enough tomorrow. problems about yeah, its own. freak out. You know, you stress out about what you're going to wear. We just talked about that, how even what they wore was a statement of security of some sorts, of value in the eyes of men. And he's like, I tell you that, look at the, the lilies of the field. Right, not right. even Solomon was dressed like one of those. Yeah. He's here today, gone tomorrow. You worry about such frivolous things. Your father's things. got this. Yeah. I, I've got you. Yeah. You're my child. Yeah. Will I not care for you as I have done for you, all of your fathers before you? Right. I, I mean, we, we just have to be reminded of this over and over again because we think, right. I've got to make the way. I've got to do this and that, and then the Lord will bless it. And that's right. not the right thinking. Right. That's why this is radical thinking. I mean, James pulled no punches when he declared, come now, you rich Weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you, exclamation mark. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Oh, Dr. Ford, that's a a scary text. (laughs) That is. But James just reiterates again what our Lord has already taught us. To be mindful of these things, you're you're not even what you what you consider a value. My little tiny moth could take away from you rust that is unseen, and yet the damage of it becomes visible after it's already spread. This can destroy that that thing you hold of great value. Even the burglar, you haven't even anticipated how he might rob you. He could take it away from you. Why stress yourself out with such things? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things that you, I would say, need. 
right. will be given to you, right? <laughs> and need is a very uh, interesting word, it right? Is. <laughs> uh, a certain Western culture people might think they need a certain amount of things more so than others right. might need. But we yeah. know that God will give us exactly what we need. And this is why we need to pray, as Matthew 6 instructs us, to pray his will to be done. Give us our our, our daily bread. Right. Give us what we need, Lord. Not too much, not too little, as the Proverbs has declared right. for us. So we need to be mindful of the things to say, Lord, this vessel belongs to you. It is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I will be a caretaker of it, but it is ultimately your temple Amen. to use as you see fit to your glory. Dr. Ford, we're just getting started. <laughs> we just keep going through this. I have at least 18 more pages of notes here. So we're going to have to cover a little bit more about this over the next couple of weeks. And I thank you always for your insight. Again, I, I hope that as you're listening to the program today, you've been encouraged. This is a broadcast of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. Uh, we are a verse-by-verse expository church on the south end of Colorado Springs. We would love to worship with you on Sundays and throughout the week. To learn more, go to calvaryfountain.com, and there you can learn more about our entire ministry and all the ways that we're trying to reach uh, across the nations even for the glory of the Lord. And we'd love for you to come worship with us on Sundays even. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sunday, and we'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.